This Road to Osaka series is powered by Mizuno. Here from Reese Edwards, Rachel McGuinness and Julian Spence and other top Australian marathoners in their push to the Osaka Marathon on February 25. Well, we have two of those names here tonight. Not the third, but I am joined by Reese Edwards. Welcome, Reese. Episode four. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me along again. Uh, received a bit of like a, a sad message before from Rachel, just um, informing us that she got some bad news about a scan um, that she had done today. So not quite in the right headspace to, to sort of come on a, a big public podcast when she only got the news an hour or so ago. Mm, yeah, and I don't blame her at all in, in that regard. Like it's it's so hard. Even the whole journey she's had, she's kind of, you know, been talking about her injury. So to have news that may not have gone her way, it's uh, it's pretty difficult, I feel for her. Yeah, me too. It's She had a bad, like patch with injuries and and like on like ongoing stuff where it just wasn't getting better for a long time a lot of unknown stuff last year and so it sounds like it's sort of happening all over again for her which is a real shame because she got so much potential uh and and when she gets going no doubt we're going to see a really big result from her but looking like maybe it'll be mid to later in the year yeah which is such a shame isn't it and this is the this is the shit part about our sport. But then at the same time, it's one of the things that makes our sport so great is that balancing act. Yeah. So, and, you know, we we all we can get it wrong and sometimes you don't even realise why you're getting it wrong. And I hope she keeps, you know, loving running and comes back certainly stronger because I reckon um, coming back from injury, I, you see everyone always do it and they always come back stronger. So, yeah, it'd be good to see her back. Yeah, there's a bit more edge to you. You appreciate it that little bit more. The, yeah. It certainly happened with me before. It's so true, isn't it? Because running just becomes this monotonous grind where you just, you're just literally like I'm not enjoying any step and then you have a few months off or six months off and all you want to do is go for a run and as soon as you go mm. for a run, you just love life. So, yeah. Oh, I know. It, it teaches you not to complain about those those monotonous doubles you might do or that like fatigued state you're in for the double where you get back and you're like, I didn't enjoy a second of that, but you actually, you actually did enjoy it. You just didn't appreciate it at the time because if you take that away, you can guarantee that's the only thing you want to be doing. Yeah, that's it. Cause it's one of those things, you know, when you're fit and you just go out and you run 15, 20 Ks, easy jog, having a conversation and you're like, don't even feel like you've exercised afterwards and you haven't even got a high. Like we take that for granted so much. And then as soon as you're injured and you're trying to come back or even when you're injured, you're like, I could even if I could just run a kilometre and you're like, yeah, you take a lot for granted when you're, when you're fit and not injured. So, 100% you do. I, I know when I've had longer injuries, I'll be just driving along a road and see a runner and like just get a stab of jealousy and yeah. think, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. How good would that be? Like just the are, are feel you, of running right there. Yeah. Are you the sort of guy when you're injured, avoid, I avoid everything running related. So like I don't look at any events. I don't look at results. I remove myself from the entire environment. Are you that sort of person? No, because I'm on a running podcast every week. Oh, that, that's true. Yeah, that sucks, man. And I work that's in a sucks. running store. every. Yeah, that's oh, hard. Oh, <laughs> my entire <laughs> life is running and I coach other runners. There is. Yeah. 
literally all I do is run. Like that is just like I'll wake up. I'll have athletes who have done a workout. So I'll be thinking about running there. Um, I'll go to work and I'll serve. Maybe I'll – I work with runners, okay? So the vibe mm. in the, out the back of the store, you've got – four or five other runners who were there working that day all talking about their session races yeah. coming up the new shoes that come in and i would just be like this is <laughs> this is the worst place to be an injured runner and yeah. then you go out and you've got to like be enthusiastic about someone else who's just started running and um and they're like they're obviously loving it so you like you share the love but you also you're like in my in my head i'm like you don't know how good you've got it right now like yeah you like inevitably you're going to get injured and learn how much you love it um because that's all it takes is that little reality check yeah Yeah. that that is tough for for you living that even though you're not say a quote-unquote professional runner you kind of live that where like running is your life and where someone like me i it's hard for me to kind of i'm not in that environment Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to kind of see see that part of it whereas i'm just like yeah i can escape and then come back like it's doesn't affect any part of me quick question do you sell more shoes when you're injured or when you're actually running running good you got a better attitude in the store oh running when i'm running i prefer to be serving than than if i'm injured and i see it i've actually seen it with other staff those that have had longer term injuries their moods lower they get way less excited to be talking about running um even i'll just notice it on the shop floor the conversation like the, the the back and forth Someone who's in a patch of fitness right now, yeah. or has um, like come off a good race or something like that, they're they're up and about. They're keen. Yeah. They're asking questions. They're like engaging in in a more lively conversation. Whereas yeah. the injured runner out there is like ask a question, but there's not a, like there's not so much back and forth. It's like in their head, you can tell they're like, damn it, I wish I was running right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit infectious, isn't it? When you get someone who's on a high and running well, and you get around them, geez, it's it's nice. Yeah, I try yes, to you know. I try to tone it down a bit when it's like that because you because there's just so many around that aren't in that position. Um, yeah, you don't want to be talking up like how how good your run was that morning when the person's been on a fucking elliptical. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, lip, lip, I saw a person on like an elliptical. But it's like a bike, like an outdoor oh, yeah. elliptical. I didn't even know they existed. They're called elliptigos. Elliptigos, are they? Man, those, yeah. that's they go fast. I'll tell you that. They've they had them. They gave them out to a few athletes in the US. I think like Meb Kef, Keflazengi had one. Yeah. But they had like yeah. they're wearing like a bike helmet on it, and it just looked like the dorkiest thing in the world. <laughs> and this person came flying past us in the Yarra Trail, and I'm like. <laughs> That would be that's kind of practical, but I was like, that looks so terrible. Like, yeah. I wish he wore lycra. That would have looked even better. You know that person's a virgin as they go past you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Elliptigos. That's um. The, you know, one of the races I did in the U.S. Santa Barbara Marathon. The ellipt like the lead. It wasn't a bike or a car. It was an elite elliptigo. So oh, the right. person like leading the race was on one of these things, and it was yeah, interesting. So they move, they must move along that smooth, yeah. Yeah, but I think they struggled when they got to the the hill. Mm, I don't think they got yeah. uphill real well, and they yeah. are big fucking things. We they tried to sell us some down at the store. I was considering like.
getting one for the store mm. when I was in Ballarat. And the lady brought it down from Melbourne and um, she left it in the store for like, I'm going to say, a month. Um, yeah. And I said to people, oh, you can take it for a ride. You see if you like it or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll chuck it in the car and um, take it down to the lake. But the problem was they're like two meters long and they don't bend or fold. So they, like, you can't get them in. I couldn't get them in my big ute. Yeah. So they're just the most <laughs> impractical things ever. Um, yeah. Uh, How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Not too bad. Not too bad. Training's, uh, training's been going good. Haven't been overdoing it. I'm like fresh, like a bit like what we're talking about. Like, because I'm fit, I'm like in a good mindset and just enjoying the enjoying sessions. Like, I look forward to session day. Um, mm. Like, it's not nervous. It's just like a calm relaxation. Like, I genuinely, when it's an easy day, I'm like, oh, I've got to run today. Whereas, and when I was waking up for a session day, I'm like, ah, oh, sweet, I actually get to run today. Um, so yeah, I think I'm in a really good spot both like physically and mentally so uh have you yeah, had periods every- where where you wake up and session days like a day of anxiety for you i've never experienced that but i've experienced people around me who have that um yeah i've been very fortunate enough where i've i don't care if it's a good session bad session i just I, i'm always going to have bad sessions and i've always been able to move on from i don't mm. Yeah, I look at paces before a session, but if I have paces that I don't hit, I don't dwell on it. Whereas I think people that get real pedantic over paces and things like that, I think they're the ones that are a bit more anxious leading yeah, into yeah. like sessions and things like that. Um, but only one session. So before a few marathons, I traditionally three weeks out do a 25 kilometer straight kind of uh, effort. And the goal of that is to run it at marathon pace. I've done that twice and the second time around just was not enjoyable like the first time around and i instantly was like oh, i'm not going to do this for a few marathons yeah yeah 25 so on the weekend we went to we had that organized event mizuno cross inside running we went for a long run and there was a um an athlete there running a 25k marathon pace tempo what's that um yeah, there was. Yeah, um, Elise, yeah. her name was. So yeah. Elise, she runs for Geelong Cross Country, but yeah. she's coached by a fellow from Ireland, I think. And I always remember watching the Hansons um, Distance Project. They would do the marathon simulation run, like maybe it was three weeks out or four weeks or something, and they would yeah. actually fly from where they're based, like in Michigan. They would fly to um, whatever race they were training at, the course. They would mm. run part of the course. They'll put bottles out at the perfect times. They'll do everything the same as race day, including the pace. And they'll go 28K. And I was mm. like, at no point in my whole career would I be able to run my marathon pace for 28K in training, even if you did all these different conditions. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it's a hard session. It's a hard session. Um, I don't know. I reckon you might surprise yourself because I did it twice. And both times the pace I ran in that session is what I averaged in my marathon. Yeah. So you you pulled uh, it off both times. One just felt easier than the other. Uh, I wouldn't say I pulled it off. So the first time around I did it with a fellow, Callan Moody, uh, Kiwi. This would have been in 2021 we did this. And we our goal was to average 307 per kilometre. 
um, and we're running it together. And I slipped off the back at about 18 kilometers. And then I ended, but I, I knew I was just working too hard. So I dropped back and then I averaged 309s for the 25 kilometers and felt all right after the session. And then come marathon day, I ran 309 average. And whereas Callan averaged the 307s, just walked off, you know, barely had a bead of sweat on his forehead. And he went and ran our debut marathon in 211.30 um, mm. and, and averaged 307s perfectly. So that's that was when we got sold on the whole 25-kilometre straight yeah. idea because it worked so perfect. It was kind of my breakthrough from running 26. It's where I did my next big jump on the marathon game. So then the next marathon after that, we tried to replicate and it, it was a disaster. Yeah. There, there's Those long tempos, there are different ways to run long tempos isn't there mm. there's like yeah. the actual tempo like you i've done 10 mile tempos that's about the longest i'll go for a, a straight tempo and i've yeah. run 10 mile tempos where i have finished them and it's been one of the hardest efforts i've ever done including racing and i am gassed yeah. falling over at the end and on paper i could look back on strava four years ago and go oh fuck you've done you've averaged 320 that day that's a good run Whereas at yeah. the time, I'm like, that was ridiculously hard. I had to go to the well. I had mental demons early on. Like this was yeah. this was not a training effort. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then you can run a 10-mile tempo and it can feel like it. It can feel like 0 to 16K of the marathon, which should feel super cruisy. Like, yeah. And that's how I think they're supposed to be run. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I learned from that one was when – Callan finished that 25k and it looked like mm. you could tell he didn't go to the well and you're yeah, like yeah. oh that that guy has it hasn't been a 25 kilometer time trial he hasn't worked overdone that and that's why come race day he was able to run it for 42 whereas for me come race day I went out at 307s and then blew out again just like that that race but I think you're right a tempo should feel like the mar- that how that early on in the marathon should feel like you should be absolutely cruising like rolling along uncomfortably comfortable and yeah maybe like because of the training load you're under and the fact that it's not race conditions whatever maybe you could say it's like the 15 to to 30k mark so like there is some Mm. fatigue in the legs you're maybe a little whatever under fueled or you're more um depleted when you hit the session and so you can expect it to feel harder than what the actual zero to 15 on the race day will but certainly not like the last 15 i think that's problematic and that's that last 15 is so hard to replicate right Mm. like well yeah that was what yeah that was that was what brady was mentioning to me on the weekend he was like oh, running 25K with really fast intervals is not my issue. My issue is at the 35-kilometer mark in every marathon I run is I get hamstring cramps that limit my my performance. And you're like, yeah, that sucks, mate, because how the hell do you train that? Mm. Well, like even doing like what we've been doing on yourself, like these long, steady kind of runs into intervals, it's still different, isn't it? It's different, but it's as close as I think you can get. That's for mm. me, like you can go and bang three by 5K, fresh as a daisy. That ain't, that ain't simulating the last 5K of the marathon in any way. Like that's getting yeah. you used to sort of that pace, working in that zone. But that last, that, and that's why I think they said a marathon's so mental because mm. there might be some physical ailments that late and there could be some that do slow you down. But 
a strong mind can put up with that ailment a little bit longer than a weak mind can. Um, yeah. That's marathoning, <laughs> though. That is that, smirking while you're saying that. <laughs> ah, it's easy. Well, <laughs> I am saying, and that look, that's no, that's not a crack at anybody. Like I don't think that's a crack at anybody, but no. um, that's just the reality of it. Is that some yeah. people can can relax and accept and tolerate discomfort longer than others can and whatever gets yeah. in your head at that point if it's bad will will we'll make that pain and discomfort feel so much worse intolerable that you have to slow down and yeah. some people will, will feel it embrace it and and be able to channel it into like a like a fuel a fuel yeah. to get them through and and those that can channel it well um they're the ones that like it exactly the same fitness level as the person next to them. They're the ones that can finish that race off. Yeah. And whilst we're on kind of this sort of topic, the Canova super block method, do you think that's just overcooking it? Do you think that's like doing the AM, like a big session in the morning and then backing up again in the PM? Do you think there's any, um, you know, valid, I don't know how to say the word, but, um, do you think it's worth it? I don't think it's worth it. That's me. Maybe a professional runner, that then they could maybe pull it off. But I don't think someone who's got any type of outside stress in their life could do that. Like, yeah. can, you, can you explain what, what it kind of the method is? Oh, yeah. So I've never done it myself. So I've never really looked into it too much. But a special block or a, a special day, I guess it is, um, it, it's it's – a double session day or even sometimes I think it, some people have even turned it into triple days, but it's a, it's a hard session in the morning. So it could be like two by 10 K at marathon pace in the morning and, and you'll warm up and cool down. And then you'll run a session in the afternoon that might be like 15 by one K at half marathon pace or, or ten, cutting down to 10 K pace. Um, and so the, the like two really big volume sessions in one day, total volume of the day is over 50k um and it's followed by like three to four days i think it is of just really low stress jogging so it's the whole super compensation type theory in play um i see so much risk with it uh like it is just so much fatigue in that second workout uh if you're getting up and going to work the day after that you're you're fucked i reckon yeah Um, i agree yeah, I know some people like, I, yeah, and one of the other things with the Canova stuff is talking to people in Kenya and who have been around it a lot. A lot of the training that he's written out and you see on the internet, I don't think that it actually got completed as it was written. I think a lot of it was adjusted mm. on the ground. Say like right. um, the sessions get written or the reports come back, but it's not exactly how it how it was um, written. You know, there's a bit of a disconnect between perhaps Canova at the time not being in Kenya and what's actually happening on, on the road. Ah, right. Um, Interesting. And so that's what's probably trapped a lot of people in the past mm. is that they see the stuff come through, like big let's run threads with training diaries and, and training plans, but in, maybe the athlete's only doing 80% of that. 
Um, yeah. And, and we're thinking there's this secret source out there is this training, but really even the, like a guy doing 250K a week and living as a professional athlete in Kenya is not mm. able to handle that type of workload. Um, yeah. Yet we're pulling yeah. it off the internet thinking it's gospel and, and following. It's like yeah, religion. It's, yeah, <laughs> not true. We really do, don't we? We're like, yeah, the cult of Canova. Mate. Yeah, fuck, I've got his book and everything. And, like, yeah, there I'm, you go. I'm for it. I was, like, a big, uh, like, I got, I think it just gets sucked in. I, I actually believe it, it helped me become a 214 guy. Like, I, yeah. I followed it. But I also found that it cooked a lot of people that I was applying it to, a lot of people. But as a coach at that international performance, are you happy to cook, you know, two, 200 people to get that diamond? uh nah not if you've got a personal relationship with them like yeah, not true. if you care about the athlete yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like <laughs> it's all right on paper like if you got if that bloke has 200 kenyans rocking up to his session gives him all the same and then all of a sudden one bloke comes out runs two two brilliant yeah, yeah. but yeah. i actually give a shit about the other 199 showing up who and i want to see them improve and and make the yeah. start line and yeah. Not be like, oh, this one's injured. Eh? It doesn't matter. I've got another one on the conveyor belt waiting for me. Yeah, yeah this one. <laughs> like you don't even know their name sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Athlete 52. I th- I've got a good feeling about this one. So have you done a special block in the past? You've done that sort of training? Not to that extent. So I guess can you, I've tried every now and then just a random day, which I would say is closer to the Norwegian method. Can you just – which is like, from my idea of this, you will understand this a lot better than me because I don't know much of this at all. But my understanding is the Norwegian method, they're much smaller sessions and they run a lot more controlled. Is that correct? Yeah, so the Norwegians is like double threshold session with the idea being maximising the amount of time you spend at threshold for the, the, the week or the block or whatever. Mm. Um, so you in the mornings, like the actual intensity is very low. So if yeah. they might do like um, four or six by six minutes and I think they're lactate. I don't think they really want to be like over um, two or something like that. Like it's super yeah, low. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're like, that's not a hard workout at all for them. And so then they come back in the Arvo and then they might do like 2400s and, and the, yeah. like their lactate might will be higher for that, I think, but they're doing them at, at a generous pace. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's 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 all about sustainable training to get the maximum amount of mileage in, and so yeah. like the whole thing is in increased volume, and yeah. the, the, if they're doing intensity, it's at threshold. Yeah. Um, so it's whereas in, this in, increased volume at a faster pace. Um, is that the whole idea of it? Is your at the end of the week, you've got a higher volume at a faster pace. And it's not like an 80 20. Yeah, method, yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they avoid doing a lot of the VO2 max stuff and a lot of speed work in these um, threshold blocks because it limits how much they can run the following week. So if they go out mm-hmm. and punch like eight by, say, like you look at our method or the Australian model and you go punch eight by a K, and a lot of the time it'll be at like 3K pace. So it's pretty mm-hmm. fast that does not bode well to run a lot the next three days after it um, and be able to do another workout two days after it or even like 
So the, their, their thing is we'll remove the top layer and we'll spend a shitload of time in the middle layer. Um, yeah. And overall, it will allow us to do more training at a medium intensity. And um, they sharpen towards race day. Like it does change as they get closer. Like they do more race specific stuff. But yeah, of um, course. The Canova thing. And, they, and they're not just winging it either. Like they're testing mm. their lactate during the sessions to make sure they're not fucking it up. So if, yeah. if like they do that 400 session and they're going too hard and their lactate spiking, that's not the, like, that's a bad thing for them to happen. They're not proud of running that 400 really quick because it's ruining their whole model. Yeah. So they'll either, they'll slow the session right down if they're doing that or they'll cut it off and stop training. Yeah. Um, whereas the Canova special blocks, not quite like, I don't think it really has, it doesn't have that intention at all. It's yeah. um, there's different workouts I've seen run, and I'm not mm. like I'm not fully around it to be honest. Like I don't know exactly yeah. like the um the methodology, like how they prescribe and structure the days, because I've yeah. seen like different sessions at different paces. But I think a lot of it is like one one session's generally at marathon pace. Yeah, and then one's faster, I think. Maybe. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely nothing much slower. It interests me. I, I would I would give it a crack and take a take a risk on it because I'm sort of I don't got nothing to lose. But I wouldn't take a risk on it for a overseas international marathon. Mm. Like say, if I line up a Gold Coast marathon in the middle of the year because I like to do something different every leading into every marathon. Just I think our bodies are just adaptive machines, so I like to change it up. Say leading into Gold Coast, I'll take huge risk. Could it'll end up like could end up like it did last year where I don't make the start line, but when it's an Australian marathon, I'm willing to. Yeah, that's do that. a good call. I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, if I was prescribing to that to someone who's dropped five grand on flights and accommodation in Berlin, like that's <laughs> that's on you if they get hurt. If you're yeah, saying, yeah, exactly. hey, we're, we're going to do this today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, but you've just got to respect the recovery for it. And I think you taper in as well. So you taper yeah, okay. in, you do the workout. And then it could be like three days of super easy jogging, maybe mm. four days. Like, yeah, it's, yeah you got to respect it. Because I'm a big yeah. believer in that super compensation. Like, I've had some of the best sessions of my life, six days, even two days post marathon, like what? it's it's hard to explain. Post marathon, post marathon, yeah. I um, I ran a ten k, so I ran a two thirteen marathon, and then six days later, I ran a ten k over in the UK. Um, it's on my power of ten, which is like a British thing, and I ran twenty nine forty. It's technically the fastest ten k I've ever done, and it was six days post marathon. What about muscle soreness? I have never experienced Dom's post-marathon. At all? Even after Sydney? No, never. Oh, wow. Like I feel a little bit tired, but I've never had like, you know that Dom's where you can't even like touch your skin and it stings? Yeah, yeah. Like I get, if you tell me to do five push-ups, I've got Dom's in my biceps for the next five days. Or if, but running and especially running a marathon in like these super shoes, I've, I've I've never experienced Dom's like something like that. Mm. I get like, I'm a write-off 
for like Aye. five days at least, maybe seven days. Like it, it literally feels like someone gets a hammer and just smashes my quads. Um, that's what I feel like. It's all it's all quad soreness. Is it pure quad? I wonder, yeah, why, yeah, it's, I wonder why it's so different. So you're one of those people walking down the stairs the days oh, after. Yeah. You can tell you've you've done a marathon. I'm cooked. Yeah. Like I am. Yeah. I am no good. I get nauseous from how from how sore I get. Like yeah, yeah. full My, nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Proper oh. pain. Yeah. Because my my wife uh, experiences the same thing, but just from a half marathon, and I just never understood it. I'm like. I think one time I lined it up five half marathons in five weeks and she thought I was absolutely nuts. Yeah. And then I'm looking at her going, what do you mean you can only do two or three a year? Like I thought she yeah. was nuts. And it's just because we recover so differently. What about trail running? You get sore from that, like from the hills? So the first the first trail run I go out on, say if I go out on like a mount, like let's say 50 kilometres and the elevation's over 1,500 metres, I'll get doms in my quads from that, mm. and that's literally for three days. Um, and then if I do about three or four of them, then I'm pretty good. I won't get doms anymore. I can go out and run 50Ks, 55K, and I wouldn't get doms. Yeah. And I've made that mistake. So the Tarawira and Ultra Trail Australia, where I did actually well, I had trained and conditioned my body for about eight weeks prior, whereas I've done one or two other races where I've decided I'll just turn up and, and do it and hope that my body has remembered. But um yeah those are the races where my quads have gone after like 60ks yeah yeah oh you felt it on the day on the it day yeah if i haven't yeah, conditioned right. yeah but it yeah. normally only takes normally only takes me about three big long trail runs to feel my body's conditioned and ready for like 100k it's i it's the same sort of feeling we get down here when we're coming back from like a marathon or um even from an injury and you go out and you've got like a, a 30 K hilly long run and, mm. and you get sore the next day. And I love it because I'm like, I'm not going to get that again. Like all it yeah. takes for me is one of them. And I'm like, yep. this is done. This is like, this is the, the little bit of pummeling the quads needed and they'll come back stronger. Uh, yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Doms is a good thing. And I, so I a hundred percent agree with that. And that's why, Say someone like Brady, for instance. So in my opinion, this is a hypothesis. This is Reese's hypothesis here. Is people who experience cramping and doms and things like that, the back end of a half, I would go out and try and thrash my muscles. So I would, if it was quad issues later on in the marathon, mm. I would add in ridiculous downhill elevation or downhill reps into my training. Yeah. And yeah. if it were... And if it was hemis, I would do something that ex causes like, I don't know, like overstriding or like lunges or like bounding or I'd do something that is going to cause hemidoms. I would load them up big time. I don't, Well, even I just think going out long and fast for, for every or most Sundays is what we do down here. Mm -hmm. And it seems to work. It, it hurts at the time. It hurts at the start. But I, and it also prepares you for the marathon workouts we do later in the block. Like yeah. if you if you put together eight to twelve weeks of thirty plus steady long runs through the bush, that first yeah. that first marathon workout you do on the flat road that's piss easy compared to what you've been doing. Yeah, that's yeah, and and it, and it just prepares you so well. Yeah, and that like steady kind of long runs. I, that's what I picked that up in the UK. So when I was say we 
Dick Telford. We didn't do so much of that. It was kind of just you, you'd done a hard, like a fast Tuesday, a fast Thursday, a fast Saturday. So Sunday comes along and you just get over the hills, whatever pace it is. Mm. If if it, you do 35Ks at 4 minutes 50 or 4 minutes 45, that's okay. And then when I went to the UK, it was like, no, we're going to do two sessions a week. But Sunday is not a comfortable run in itself. Yeah. You might be running over hills, but you still might come back running, you know, could be four or 500 metres elevation, but you've run four minute flats or three fifties. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the big things that I was like, okay, this is making significant difference in my marathoning. That is a, that is a hundred percent what, what our group works off. Our group okay. works off Tuesday, faster work, Friday threshold, Sunday, buckle up because like, yeah. it's not going to be super fast as like speed wise but you're going to be going over some hills and each hill is going to be a little bit of a test. Like we're not jogging up the hill. We're going, all right, pretty much like at the start, it's a bit more forgiving, but towards the end, it's like we're racing up that hill and we'll recover on the downhill off the back and then we'll race up the next hill. And it's like, that works. That works down here. We got some guys like, and it prepares people for the marathon so much better than, probably the five and 10 K that they, uh, that they underperform at. Like we have a, yeah. <laughs> our group is full of underperforming short distance runners or overperforming yeah. marathoners. Um, yeah. And I reckon it's the long run that, that, that gets that into it. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm in your camp, right? I'm an underperforming five and 10 guy. Mm. And the Australian method is the faster you run a five K or a 10 K, then you're going to have easier running at the start of your marathon and the higher your ceiling and the faster you're going to run a marathon, right? So this is one of the reasons why I haven't got a coach is because every time I talk to a coach, they're like, we want to get you on the track and running 3Ks. If you can run a fast 3K, you're going to run a fast 5K. If you run a fast 5, you run a 10, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, guys, I started running when I was 26. I'm 33 years of age now. I don't have time to drop back to a three. Oh, well, I don't want to drop back down to athletics carnivals where there's under 10s running. No offense to under 10 runners, but I, I don't want to drop back down to these athletics carnivals to increase that speed, even though I understand the benefit. So, in 18 months' time, maybe it's going to change my whole routine. And every single coach I've ever spoken to, that's the philosophy they would, they want to run me down. Mm. And it's, not that I disagree with it. I 100% know I'd run faster off it, but it's not my personality. I don't. I didn't grow up doing athletics carnivals. I, I, it's not something that I really enjoy. So I'm trying to find methods or ways to get faster over the marathon without, you know, doing the Australian traditional method. Well, one actually, it's a very similar discussion that I had with one of my coaches once. He said, "You don't have to run a fast three k." You just have to get in shape to run a fast 3K or a 5K. Yeah. Like you, it doesn't have to be what you do. You don't have to go out and run on the track and you don't have to go and race track races and do all that stuff. All you have mm-hmm. to do is get in the shape where if you wanted to, you could jump on and run well. So if it yeah. doesn't suit what you like doing, you can still train a bit like that and get the benefits of it and totally ignore the track world. Um, and you can still do that Sunday long run doing it in my mind, which is where you have your fun. And it's like the, it's the, it's the day of the week for a runner, I reckon. 
Um, yeah, because yeah. Because, you know, people have got all these theories of like, you know, double your half marathon type of time and plus six minutes or, you know, you're a, uh, you're a 2850 guy. That means you probably can run sub 210. Like there's all these theories out there that are based off kind of what you've done in the short distances. And for me, I just have to kind of scrap all that out of my brain because yep. – it's just because then you go out there race day and you, you look at the guys you're finishing around in the marathon. You think yeah, these yeah. guys are totally different quality, but yeah, like you said, who knows what we actually run when we're in that shape? Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Those guys have trained for that. They've raced at that. They haven't given any thought to the marathon when they were running those times. So of course mm. they're going to be faster. Like, yeah. and, and if they continued running like a, um, in that method and then they mm. show up, to a 5k road race or track race in the middle of the year whatever of course they're going to beat you like their training suits that our training doesn't suit that if we're training for a marathon yeah so to pick your brains (laughs) i'm going to get some uh free coaching advice here no i have a question for you too yeah to run a sub 210 marathon what sort of speed do you think you need over the 10k and a half not See, I've never considered that, so I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't even know what pace two ten is, because it's, it's. I've never had to calculate that. So you're looking at like, say, three hundred four to three hundred five pace. Well, it for you or for in general, because there's not no for in me, general. not not for me at, in a soccer, but like, so this is me putting it out to the public. I only have one goal in marathoning, and I. I have no interest in chasing Australian. I know I'm not good enough. I'm not chasing Australian best, but my one and only thing is I want a sub 210. Yeah. And I will take as many risks as possible and I will have injuries, but, and my time is limited. But that's the only th- big thing for running 212. Yes, I want to run 212 at Osaka, but my ultimate goal is, is sub 210. And that's what I'm striving for. That's what gets me out the door. So you know what what minute per K pace that is off off the top of your head by, by yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah, by heart. Yeah. What and it is exactly. It it, it would be just a bit between three like three or four and a half, like just under three or five per kilometer. Yeah. Okay. Um, gee, I think it depends on like a hundred percent depends on what sort of athlete you are. Obviously, mm. um, I'd say. I'm going to say you probably want to be able to run a half at 301s to be able to do that. So say my PB is 63.38 for the half, so I run three flats yeah. for a half. Hypothetically, I, I don't have to go that, get that much faster. With a physio- I just need to maintain that. I think you need to make it as comfortable as possible at 3.0. Before you hit the marathon block, so in the, in the period before that eight to ten weeks where you – switch over and start to do real marathon specific stuff you need Mm -hmm. to make three minute k pacing that has to feel very smooth to you like that has to be that has to feel smooth um and and you'll do that by like a lot of underpaced work at that i think and then um, because your physiology like you you can do strength like you have strength Mm -hmm. you don't need to work on strength so if you got Mm -hmm. like 10 weeks how am I going to improve my marathon? And you go and do mm. a bunch of marathon stuff. Mm. That's like, where, how much ceiling is there for you? So your marathon, like you're a brilliant strength runner. Your strength is already here. Mm. Whereas you struggle with 
uh, like maybe VO2 or threshold stuff might be not quite as good as sort of that strength and that like, I guess, metabolism at that slower pace. So your, your ceiling for to improve that threshold stuff and that, I guess, running economy down here, that's bigger. Mm-hmm. There's more gap there. So if you spend yep. a bit more time trying to increase that, all of a sudden the ceiling there's raised. The strength stuff is always there. That's just you as an athlete. Um, yeah. And so I would, be, I would be focusing on that to get a – there's bigger gains there. There's more return on investment for you. Yeah, which I think you've nailed kind of what my block has been into Osaka. Is, and yeah. I, I've always known it and I, it's because I hate doing it as well. It's uncomfortable. But it is the thing I've tried to change is to run faster in reps. So my worry with your block though is the volume that you're doing in on session day is too low where you want it. So I would like your volume, you're doing – 20-minute tempo, 8 by K, right? Mm, yeah. About that. There's, that's about the standard session. and That's my standard midweek session, yeah. Yeah, I, I just worry that that 8 by K is probably is, is even a little bit too, like it's not, like how are you feeling during those? And what paces are you running? So it's, it's gotten faster and faster throughout the block. So say early on in the block, the eight by one k, I might have been averaging three to two fifty nine, and now say this week when we get to it, yeah, I'm averaging kind of, I'm going out two fifty fives. I'm averaging around two fifty fives, maybe faster for the last two. Yeah. Okay. So this block, your marathon pace three ten ish. Sorry, three eight. Yeah. Three, three eight. eight. Yeah. Yep. Three eight. Yeah. Um. So you're about ten to fifteen seconds underneath it. Yeah. At the moment, yeah, and you're doing eight k of work there once a yeah, week. It's not much, is it? Yeah, no, once a that, week, yeah. that 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 would be my concern. I reckon you could shift that up slightly slower and do 15, 16 k worth of work in the session. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's interesting because tomorrow's session is a slight change to that. So it's where we're going to minimize the rest but increase the reps. So instead of doing eight, we're going to do twelve, but off forty five mm. second recovery and try and change the stimulus a little bit make them slower slower yeah yeah so maybe between three to 305 pace that's what i would be thinking is a good thing i would be into that yeah Yeah. um good next question for you then do you think that you need to run a good half marathon like three to four weeks out from a marathon do you think that's a good sign an indifferent sign or a bad sign I think it can go either way. If you turn up to a half marathon and you run really, really well, it can be put you in a great mindset and really um, reinforce how well you're going to run marathon day. But then it can work the other way where it can absolutely send you spiraling down a black hole that ruins your marathon. So um, I think it depends what your mindset's like. Someone like me, good race or bad race, I would rather get those race sensations. So like, you know how racing brings out that little bit extra suffering that you can never get in a session? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. just learn, you learn to dig that little bit deeper. You learn to follow moves. You learn to run within a pack. Like sometimes in a race, you don't feel 100% comfortable because someone might be running right on your shoulder between you and like jamming you into the gutter. And there's just little things like that that 
you can't replicate as well in training. So I think doing a race is great to get ready for a race. Like it's just how I've always been. Um, but I definitely think it's a mindset thing. If you're the sort of athlete where if you have a bad one, it, it could completely spoil you. Then I don't know if it's worth the risk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But, but for me, I'm a big fan of it. Cause I think I like look at cycle. So I look at cycling or even tennis or nearly any sport. No one turns up to like the Australian open without playing some pre like a little tournament beforehand or some warm-up matches. No one turns up to the Tour de France without having done the smaller events beforehand. Like, I Kip don't Shogi think you... Does. you... Yeah, you've, you've, you've quieted does. me up there on that one. Uh, but, yeah, okay, fair, <laughs> but maybe, uh, yeah, well, there you go. Maybe they could run 158 if they followed my methods. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get your point. I think you need, I think you need to tune up. I like. I don't mind racing in the block, but I think that the expectation shouldn't be that your race goes well because you've been training a lot. Because a lot yeah. of the time, if you do that half marathon like a month out, you've probably spent already like six to eight weeks doing marathon stuff, and you haven't yeah. really like maybe you haven't done much threshold work at all. You've been yeah. spending a lot of time slower than marathon pace and yeah. just don't expect it to just take it for what it is a practice. Don't expect it to be a knock it out of the park and it should, yeah. it should not feel great. I don't think. Yeah. I would never do a full caper into it either. I yeah, would okay. always, I would always turn up to it. I, I think you've seen this before. I probably, end, if I run a half marathon within my block, I still probably end up with 160 Ks for the week. Mm. It's not like if I, my race day marathon, I end up with about 90 Ks and running for the week. So it's, I only ever do it off like half, half oh, kind of papers. Yeah. 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 But a funny story is say my PB in Rotterdam, which was in October, at the end of August, I ran a half marathon and I thought I was in amazing shape and I ran 67 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Three three weeks later, I turned up at a half marathon around sixty three and a half, and then four weeks later, I've gone and run my two thirteen. So, like, I think a lot of people run that sixty seven, and they either pull out of the marathon, pull out of or the next half, or they just they spiral. Whereas mm. for me, I I remember I was over in in Europe at the time, and I remember doing this five k on this track in Rome by myself. And it was a 40 degree day. And I remember we got there about 10 a.m. And I time trialed around this track. And it was on an actual track 5K, not my watch. And I remember running 14.50 solo. in, And I was just like, I am in so much shape. And then I ran a 67 and a half a week yeah. later, half marathon. Um, but I was just like, you know what? All my training was showing that I was in 63 shape, not 67. So let's just move on. So yep. I think for anyone who's going to throw a half in there, exactly what you just said, it's like you can't expect expect it to go well. Yeah. I, one of my build-ups replicate that almost to a T, actually. 2019, mm -hmm. I went and ran Gold Coast half, and earlier that year, ran 2.14, and I was thinking, all right, like 65 minutes will be like a bad run today. I, mm -hmm. like, I'm getting ready for Doha World Champs. I'm going to fucking crush this. And I ran yeah, 67 yeah. and a half. And I remember walking through that finish line just disgusted with myself. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I've been angry at going through a finish line that, that yeah, day. Yeah, true. I thought, you've got to, 
like you got to change something and i don't think i changed anything and then i ended Mm. up running um i think it was only three weeks later maybe four weeks 4506 maybe at um at five at a 15k um is that a ballarat as well ballarat one yeah Jeez, that's good running yeah well and then I, and then i had a good marathon i'm like all right mm. that like you can move on really quick if you if mm. you have the headspace for it um yeah you, when you touch on that marathon at that world champs do you get frustrated that people can't really respect that time because of those conditions like it's very hard for people to to um kind of acknowledge or like feel what those conditions were like like no one signs up to those sort of marathons right so people can look mm. at that and go oh they just look at times oh yes yeah, hot conditions might be a bit slower but does it frustrate you that you know oh, people no one no one talks about it no one gives a shit about it so i don't know nah, i don't get frustrated no one's really mentioned that it's not that fast or uh, it's still running it's, running in the heat under 220 is inc- like this. So this is Singapore. Obviously, that's brought a lot of respect into this. <laughs> it, you need, it, to, you need it, to experience it first, you, right? You, you need to experience it. You cannot yeah. explain. Like your preparation for that must have been phenomenal because the heat is a bit like altitude. Once your heart rate crosses this line, it's impossible. And I mean yeah. impossible to bring it back down. It, even slowing down doesn't bring it back down. It's like this thermoregulation change where as soon as you cross, you're you're gone for. Like that your run at those world champs, mate. That's did you Malcolm Hicks was there. How were you compared to Malcolm? Uh, he was a couple of minutes up the road, I think. Um, because mm. him and Caden were in a pack that would Caden Shields were just running in a pack that would probably went through halfway, maybe 45 seconds in front of me. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to come past that pack. Like they've all gone out too hard. They've gone out too quick. Um, But they pulled it off those blokes. They actually had massive runs that night. Like I, yeah, I I was impressed with how they pulled that off. Um, But that race was, they looked after us every 2k we had ice cold water and that Mm. made all the difference. Like anytime you felt your core body temperature rising, you, you were at a point where there was ice cold water to cool you down. And it wasn't yeah. just like a cup, it was a fucking bottle. So you could put a 500 mil bottle over your head, ice cold water. And then by the yeah. time that you started to like feel warm again, there was another one. And and, and yeah, that made right. all the difference. So now I, I appreciate that, how much that um, offered me because they didn't have that at the Olympics in Sapporo. They, I think they had cold water, but it was still at 5K intervals. Um, oh, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. So I like that actually saved me so much that night. Um, and now I, I realize how much like cold water can help keep you cooler and like a sustain an effort. So I'll, yeah. I'm, I will always dump water on my head no matter what. Uh, yeah. But yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's, um, it, it was a good night. I'm super proud. That's the best race I've ever had. Don't, don't worry about 214. So, that was the best so, race. Yeah. And so I think that's what I'm kind of insinuating here is you've got a 214 here, but, mate, nah, I, I was better uh, race for sure. 
Uh, yeah, and there's not there's not many people out there that have gone and run a marathon in those conditions, right? And um, that's yeah. why I'm happy I went and experienced it in Singapore because I can genuinely sit back and go, your run, fucking brilliant. Yeah, thanks. 12, <laughs> it's like, and the other thing, 12, like, U-turns, I think it is. So it was like mm. 7K loop, and then you go around like a, it wasn't quite a hairpin, but you're going around a big bend. Not that that was bad, yeah. actually. It was dead flat there. Um but it was fucking lonely. Like I was by myself for a lot of that run. Um, oh, so you run, but you don't mind that, do you? You don't mind running. No, I like solid. that. I prefer that. I'm working that out. The more that I run with packs, like around Brady and that, the more that I find I have trouble relaxing. Like the cadence is so high. I find myself trying to match the cadence, and they're real yeah. surgy up and back and up and mm. back. And I, I was like, the the only time I feel good is on the front of the pack. Yeah, it's interesting because I always remember Lake Biwa 2019 where you said to me, no, this is too quick, Reese. I'm just going to drop back. And I remember just thinking to to myself, you're insane because there's no one back there. And I remember thinking we're we're in a group of about 12 to 15 guys. You and I are just sitting in the back. We can coast along here. And you're like, I'm going to go run in no man's land by myself. And I remember thinking, you're genuinely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, what What are you thinking in this scenario? I think we all know how the scenario played out, but that's something I don't have, like, to to run, yeah, to have well, that courage early on, to have the courage to be like, I'm going to run solo. Mate, that's – what. why do you like – like, what no, makes you tick? I think I just like to be in my head. Like, I spend the whole training block – preparing my head to to like have this 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 battle like mm. that that morning that I wake up in in my head I'm like I'm going to war like today I'm mm. going to war and and I don't want to like get distracted by other people around like I am prepared today to go to the end of the line and yeah I'm not I'm not talking to people around me and and having a good time out here like I want to, mm. I want to find my spot. I want to lock in on my own thoughts, and and having a pack, I've always been a pretty uncomfortable with. Um, mm. I, it it distracts me too much from my own head, and I start to think are, about things. Are you a clock watcher when you're running solo? No, no, nah, not no. Nah, I'm a feel so guy. You, so you're run, running by feel solo. Yeah. So yep. whereas I, that's why I like running in a pack because I'm just running by feel, and as soon as I find myself solo. I start clock watching too much and then it just changes my – I go from being in a pack to being like, you know, thinking about probably football scores and things like that, like just not even thinking about running. I'm literally just in fairyland. And then if I'm running solo, all of a sudden I'm panicking because I'm like, oh, shit, I'm running one second per kilometre slower than the last kilometre. That's bad yeah. omen for the next kilometre and, yeah. But in a pack, the, the pack is in control of – the pace no one's in control of their own effort there so your effort mm. is your effort is only as easy or as slow as what the pace of the pack is and so say you're at the front of a pack like the pack of 20 you're not at the very front but you're at the second line all of a sudden the pack starts to run three five mm. what do you like the difference between the front of the pack and the back is two seconds like yeah. Your your natural inclination is to just stay where you are in the pack. So you run that three five, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm, I feel like that was a bit quicker right there, but I'm still in my position in the pack. 
And this is the problem, I think, for most people is that they they ignore the warning signs too much because they're basing themselves off where they are in the pack or what the pack's doing. But mm. internally, your body, your heart doesn't give a fuck if you're around other people. Like yeah. that little three five, that that's a, having an effect on what's going on inside that red line, and the pack, mm. the pack's buffering it. Like the the pack's buffering your perception because or you've got other people around you to confuse it. Mm. Whereas if you're by yourself, you're not running that three five. Like that would take a concerted effort of you to make a decision to go. I'm running this K three seconds faster, and that's gonna like you're making a decision to do that. Whereas yeah. if you're if you're in a pack, the pack makes the decision just through the ebbs and flows, and you're gonna suffer the consequence. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you're you're off to the side, or even just being to the side of a pack, you can you can go up and back, and you can do your own thing a little more. But being tucked in, you, you there's no like there's no mercy there. You you, you, yeah. you slow down, you've got someone come up your ass. Yeah. I've always, because of my legs and my big kickback, I, I can't run in the middle of a pack. I always have to be in the back because people clip my heels just the way I run. And yeah. I hate I hate the stress of having someone behind me as well. I, I feel quite, yeah. like, anxious about having people run behind me. So I always would just be like, oh, I'll just drop to the back of the pack and run there. Yeah, yeah. And is that why every photo and video of you and Ridley <laughs> – you're always at the back. <laughs> I, you have never let a, let a rep based on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, so he's the opposite. He's like you. He likes to run at the front and he likes to be on the front. And then as soon as someone's in front of him or someone's got in front of him, that's when he starts to get a bit uncomfortable. But he yeah. he loves to run on the front. He, he doesn't care if anyone's running in front of him. He, if he's on the front, you're like, oh, he must be feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting because I've coming through when I was a younger athlete, I would always struggle at the like as soon as the race got a bit hard, I would feel like being at the back, being the last one to get cut off. As soon as I got yeah. to that point, I was just fucking bang gone, like sliced off. And I think it was a yeah. mental thing. Like, yeah. and as soon as like I, I changed my mindset a little, and I'm like, no, don't be the one at the back. Don't be the yeah. one getting sliced off. And I started to have better results because of it. Just interesting, like, yeah. Just the positioning of where you are, like, it just was a real negative thought thing for me being at the back of a pack and and feeling like you're like you're two steps away from getting dropped. Yeah, do you reckon that's more noticeable on a track, but then on the road? Uh, it was always on the road for me that I was noticing. Oh, it. was it? Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll try. I'll try and get up there in a pack then. Just get to the side, maybe. Do your thing on the yeah. side. Because those Japanese, yeah. like, they, I don't know, there's a lot of them. There'll be a lot of them yeah. around you, I reckon, if you're going for oh, like yeah. 212. There'll be a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's hey, going to be interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about your week. It's only taken yeah. an hour to get here. But yeah, we can. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that was, that was good chat. Um, you ran 164K. I want to yeah. hear about it. So uh, Monday, just easy jogging, 19 kilometers. Uh, similar to last week, I'm back at work. We're sharing run times. So I'm just doing a lot of singles during the week. Um, so Tuesday, similar sort of thing, 17 kilometers easy. Uh, we touched on my session um, on 
uh, earlier on my Wednesday session. So Wednesday, I did a 15-minute tempo, three-minute jog recovery into 8 by one k And I did this with Michael Marantelli and Ben Kelly. So we've got an extra man, mate, that's uh, when he can, he's going to jump in with us, that's um, good. which was not what, nice to have him down there. He's running well. Yep. Um, so he was so, running 1Ks. So how did how'd that group play out? Yeah, so we did the 15-minute tempo. We all ran together. So we averaged 315s for that 15-minute tempo. A uh, bit like I said yes, uh, last week, just after work, I just like to get something like that done just to get my legs rolling. Uh, when we did the 1K reps, uh, Marantelli, he was running 2 minutes 40. So he knew that my goal pace was 255. So he's, he decided he'll do 2 minutes 40. That'll give him 75 seconds recovery. Because I'm having 60 seconds recovery at 255 okay. pace. Yep. Yep. Um, so we need to finish the rep and jog up to your finish spot. Yeah, we're doing like an out and back, so 1k out, 1k back. So um, he was able able to just easily um, link yeah. back up. And then Ben just did the four by 1k um, session like he did the week before. So yeah, that went, went really well. We we went out at 255, which is the first time I've ever attempted that, and. Um, yeah, we ran that for probably the first six and then the last two got a little bit quicker. I think the last one was about 250. Um, mm-hmm. I see that. So so I was very happy with my speed on that, but I agree with what you said and that is my my biggest weakness and my concern is maybe I'm building this top-end speed, but am I building it that kind of, I don't know if it's speed endurance or whatever you would call it, but am I building that kind of faster threshold speed and hope maybe I've gone going too no, much. Rest don't too second fast guess there. yourself. Don't second guess it. Don't worry. I don't, don't worry. I don't feed into it. I, I'm not going to be lining up at a sock and being like, Oh, I screwed my whole thing with, with those sessions. Don't worry about that. I'm, we'll I'm running this, on a We'll judge this after a sock. Yeah. yeah. I'm running on a high because I haven't been running consistently in the two fifties for four years. So this is good. Really? Um, Even yeah. when you're running 213, you weren't hitting 250s? Nah, nah. We, it was, uh, yeah, like we we'd never we would never do 8 by one k over in the UK. So when I was doing 230, I was living in the UK and 8 by one k doesn't doesn't exist over there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, that session went well. Thursday, back to uh, easy jog after work, 18 kilometres. Friday, same sort of thing, easy jog, 17 kilometres. And then Saturday, because we this week we're sessioning on a Sunday. So Saturday was a, I did a double. I did 15K easy in the morning, 10 in the afternoon. Um, do you want to run through your Monday to Sunday and then hit the Sunday together or what do you want to do? Oh, yeah. That's not a bad idea from you. Mm. I didn't, I, I mean, I, 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 my weeks are so boring. It's like the biggest difference between my week and your weeks is that I break my runs into doubles rather than yeah. singles. And that's because of my knee. My knee does mm. not handle longer single runs very well. And so yeah. I'll try still try to hit the same sort of volume as what I probably wanted to in a single, but broke it up into two. Uh, just, just seems better for me. Um, 8K in the morning, Monday morning, and then 8 in the afternoon. And I've got a little picture of you up here, actually. Oh, you yeah, you're yeah, such a stitch up. That's <laughs> such a stitch up. Look at you. You've got I'm, your name on your top. Oh, uh, mate. Why is your name on your top for? 
so that's just a trifle. That's what triathletes do, mate. They, <laughs> I never represented or anything like that. But to get on the start line at a race, they always put your country in your name. What do you mean that, you can't you can't race without your name on your bib? No, so it's like uh, I don't know if it's called. I don't even know if it exists. I mean, I've been in the triathlon world since 2014. Is it ITU racing? Whatever the short course racing is, everyone has to have your country. And you must have to have your name. Maybe so you, you don't. Go, I don't. So you have to go out and have custom-made apparel to race in these things. Yeah, yeah. I, rules probably have changed a lot. But that was the biggest stitch-up, and someone's gone back onto my Facebook. <laughs> I needed to get rid of this photo. Someone's gone a long way back to dig this up on yeah. me. Um, because and you, you, can't, you, you can't be making your own Australian kit, mate. That's not on. <laughs> <laughs> mate in triathlon anything's on anything's on um and you've got a lot of uh sicko following uh followers obviously on strava because you posted this picture of me my phone's just ding 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 i've got about a 500 new bloody strava followers after you post a picture of me in a tri-suit oh yeah no they want to see some more content like that oh. I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna have to get some more uh pics sent through to me any listeners oh. out there want to spend an evening deep into the archives of uh, Reese Edwards? Please, oh, send please your don't. Best, your best finds. I would need to see them. Oh, there's probably some bad, bad stuff on there. Uh, wow, um, it, couldn't be, the, it couldn't be much worse than this. Surely. The one thing, the one thing I remember back in those days, I used to think, "Geez, I was thinning out in my hair quite early." <laughs> but now I look at that and go, "Geez, I had some luscious blonde hair back then, didn't I?" <laughs> Oh, how times change. Yeah. Anyway, go on. When you were 20, you looked 40. That's a real issue, I reckon. When I was 20, I looked 40, you reckon? Are you 20 in that picture? What would have I been? I would have been 24. You look like one of those, like, World War II soldiers who's, like, like that's the same sort of haircut. You know the ones that are young, but they're actually, like, spent their whole childhood on a farm working? Yeah, well, my my... Mate, my granddad was a dairy farmer and he went to war and he taught me the old uh, short back and sides. Yeah. And, and that's how I've gone ever since. And now you've just gone real, real short front. <laughs> Very short, especially when I'm running or the wind's blowing. When do you reckon, I'm trying to work out, I'm saying to my missus, I'm like, when do you reckon it's time just to go? Because when I shave it, it's just gonna be this pasty white scout, <laughs> and you're gonna nah. and you're gonna cop endless shit about it because everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, I don't know when to do it. Summer, I'll probably do it in winter because I don't want to get sunburn early on. But yeah, no. It's, what what you need to do is just keep the sides real long and do the shave yeah. through the middle here. So you've oh, done mate, <laughs> you've actually just described my old man's haircut. <laughs> Oh, that's literally my old man and one of my older brothers has that going as well. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's accepting reality. No, and going, that, you know what? This is my identity from now on. No, that's like your 1990s banker haircut, that is, where you walk around with your briefcase. Yeah, yeah. You need some, yeah. like, round spectacles too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it's, a, it's a big thing. I lose sleep every night thinking about this, you know. Um when when's when's it gonna go? Or should I start doing wigs or oh yeah. <laughs> you know you can bite, you can go to Turkey and stuff and get like um hair implanted. Mate, 
I don't even buy gels, let alone go and spend money to get hair implants. Yeah. I think it's that's why they go to Turkey because it's real cheap. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, let's let's talk about the next run. I actually went out an hour this day. I, I wanted to run in a shoe that I recorded a review for. So I got out a bit earlier and I put on this super shoe. I put on the New Balance SC Elite V4. I wanted to, to just to run in it. I'm, I'm, I'm turning to the point, like my, my outlook on super shoes has changed. I think you can jog in a lot of them now. Like I, don't so that, I, was about, I was about to say to you, what's the point of going for a jog in a super shoe? That's like, well, they, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm now addicted to, to fucking fast shoes. So I'm um, yeah. fast, soft, bloody propulsive shoes. You go and put a jogging shoe on and you feel lifeless. It feels dull. So these days when I've got a little bit more pop in my step, I'll put on one of these and go for a jog. And I think that's how I can use them. Like this thing's pretty do you, stable. Do you feel privileged? No, 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 no. no. Not privileged. But like I'm working for new, like here, I'm doing a review on this shoe. Um, you know, us plebs, a lot of us plebs, mate, we can only afford to put on our super shoes race day. And we have Mizuno's taking you to Japan. I would settle down on this chat. (laughs) I'm paying my own way over there. You're going on the credit card of Mizuno. (laughs) And I thank Mizuno for that. (laughs) And I've been working my ass off for this. And that's why Uh, I'm moving past this conversation because we don't need to talk about the New Balance shoe right now. Um, Yeah. Uh, next day workout. Um, now this was an interesting one cause this was like a bridge workout. So in between last Sunday, which was really big and this Sunday, which was really big, I had, I, I wanted to, to fit a workout in that wasn't pace related cause for me and the group, I didn't want like always hanging on paces. I feel like it's a real mm-hmm. mental, um, reprieve or treat to go out there and just get a workout. that's like, run hard, run easy. And so did a fartlek. It's like a Kenyan style fartlek. I remember, um, I know they do a lot of this sort of just two minute on one minute off. I think they do a lot of one minute on one minute off as well, but there's a big difference between two minute on and one minute on because this workout, like I went into it and I was not in the mindset that this would hurt or that I was preparing Mm. for a hard day. I thought this would be a little bridge between two hard workouts and this was fucking real hard and it was real mm-hmm. hard real quick. So I didn't have splits on. I just had um, it set to count down like two minutes and then it gave me a rest period. I did have the pace showing for the ons, but I didn't really look at it and I, I couldn't see the pace for the offs. And so the offs were float. So the idea was yeah. like you would, it would be 45-minute broken tempo basically. And uh, early on, I knew I was going to be hurting. Like that first, What was the actual session? Uh, 15 minutes, 15 by two-minute hard, one-minute float. So 45 minutes total. <clears throat> um, I was hoping to hit maybe three fives for the ons and then like three 35s for the floats. But I could. that's not me as a real, as like, an athlete i think i'm much better when they're closer together when i don't have to go down faster and i don't have to recover as slow so i ended up going 
I'll just reel off. I'll just reel them off. 3, 14, 5, 12, 8, 8, 2, 7, 6, 7, 12, 5, 4, 9, 8, 6. And the floats were 26, 34, 38, 38, uh, 24, 25, 24, 33, 31, 33, 28, 32, 34, 31, 27, 19, just to make the workout look a little better at the end. So what, you've averaged, what, about 320 for 45 minutes or something? No, it was 314s at the end. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I know. So I, I finished this. Like this was a mental tough one. I was having some conversations in my head towards the back end, making sure I actually got this one finished because it was it was getting hard early. And so mm. I, like I was, fo- I was in the head going, oh, just form, relaxed, smooth, doesn't have to be fast, all this sort of stuff. And then I get to the end, I'm like, that was one of the worst workouts I've had. Fucking glad it's over. I look down at my watch. Mm. I'm like, my watch, the Garmin actually said 3.13. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a fucking great workout. Yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen? I had no idea how that happened. It was no yeah. wonder it felt so hard because you were running so fast, especially yeah. on the floats. And so I, I come away from that really happy knowing that. Because if, if, if you go out for a 45-minute tempo and you're told 45 minutes at 3.13, 3.14 pace, do you reckon you would have hit it? That's hard for me. I would have worked hard to hit that for sure. Would have been a battle. Yeah, you've done it in a, and you've done it in a fartley. Yeah, I'm not like, and that's why I was real happy with it. Um, mm. So yeah, that there was everyone felt the same. Everyone in the group was thinking that sh- like I wasn't prepared for that to be hard when when it was actually really hard. So it was yeah. it was good to knock it over. Um, jogged, jogged the next day just twice, um, and then oh, Maddie Roberts on this made a comment on my Strava. She said, Moose, I loved your comment today on the podcast. You're very good at regression. You're the king of getting slower in marathons. And <laughs> you know what, Maddie? I thought that was a pretty good gag myself. I don't think that got enough kudos. So appreciate you, uh, appreciate you appreciating my comedy. Um, oh. Another super shoe jog on the Friday. Had a crack at a f- segment down here that, like, have you heard of a bloke called Tom Goddard? Let me just type his name in. I feel like I should no, know. No, but him. if he listens to this podcast, he's uh, here he goes. Tom Goddard. You know, he is like, he has destroyed this segment down here. And I was having a crack up it. And I didn't, I didn't like, I was like, father and here he is. Here he is. Oh, that's Adam Goddard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This Tom Goddard, he was bloody good. Um, he's got this segment real d- dialed in because I went hard up it. I was still seven seconds off. Right. Is it like a trail or like a hill or something? It's a it's like it's in Surf Coast Century if you ever do that. So it's it's one of the hills in Surf Coast Century. It's um it's it's a steep and it it, it like it gets steeper as you get to the top and it's on a real mm. slippy dirt road. Yeah, it's called true. Messmate Track, but yeah, I was like gassed at the top. My Garmin counts me into the segment, like it picks up where the segment is. Does it? And then it shows me where I am on the segment. Like, am I two seconds quicker than the fastest time, or I'm ten seconds slower, or whatever? And and so it gives me a live wow. feed of the segment. 
and it showed me I was four seconds quicker than it. So I've like semi back. So you had it. You celebrated early. <laughs> and and then I'm like, I wonder if that was a Garmin segment or a Strava segment because Garmin has segments. And turns oh, out I got home. Know. I'm like, you are fucking kidding me. Um, and then yeah, didn't get it. Uh, got over to the race on Sunday. So went up Saturday night, stayed with Brady, had a jog with him around the lake on Saturday evening. God, that man can like, he can, his cadence is like riding a bike in first gear. It's just real mm-hmm. hard to, to run next to him because he just turns his legs over so fast. Do you ever, mm-hmm. do you ever have trouble with running with people like that? I don't really take notice of how other people run around me. So you don't, you, you don't like naturally feel like you start to fall into their rhythm? No, not, not really, no. I, I, it, it stru- I struggle with it. Like, maybe I'm just slower than everyone. I know I've got a slow cadence, so maybe I'm what's slower than anyone. Well, I've never actually looked, but I reckon I'm probably 160. Yeah, that's pretty low. Damn. Yeah. Doesn't it show on your – let me pull up a run of yours. Let me just pull Doesn't up a show. random 10K. I Doesn't think it show automatically. Uh, nah, it doesn't show. Surely you need, do you need one of those? Oh, no, 162. It does show. You, you're right, 162. Yeah. So let me just pull up my run, right, for um, 179 cadence. Yeah, which, which is what they, you know, they recommend 180, don't they? Oh, that's another. Let's not get into that. Um, Cadence Brady, one ninety one, one ninety one. Maybe Lance Armstrong style spinning yeah, yeah. a high gear. He's yeah. So it's hard work running next to someone who runs like that. Um, Jeez. Anyway, we got it done. It was windy. It was hot. I fucking cooked myself. I was at the beach all day. I went surfing. Didn't put sunscreen nice. on. So I was just absolutely like frazzled. Um, and yeah, got went down Fitzroy Street, had a um pastor Brady outside of Moama. Not very often he is, so he got a few of the sites down there on Fitzroy Street, shook him up a little bit. <laughs> I'm better, would have <laughs> <laughs> saw some things you don't see when you go down to the uh bowling club at Moama, <laughs> Chuka Moama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the old native animals along fitzroy street are a bit different aren't they his eyes were like saucers walking around <laughs> <laughs> he was like where what's this guy doing trying to say hello to everyone who walks past him g'day mate g'day mate it's not- yeah give him the nod <laughs> so we do it in the country <laughs> uh, all right take us through saturday so what we're up there for mizuno and Precision Hydration was supposed to um, get some gels to us, but they um, they didn't end up delivering on time. So Mizuno did go and source some. I brought some up, the Precision gels, so they were on the tables for people to grab. Mizuno had the wear test kit, the Rebellion Pro. They also brought along some um, water themselves, put them in cups, set up the table. Tommy from Mizuno did a great job um, organising all that. We had Zaka from Inside Running. He's our main man. He he was a back-end operator as well, organized it smoothly. Um, some of the we had about 30 people show up that some of them put shoes on. Um, some of them didn't, some of them just jumped in, but everyone was real appreciative of the group. Uh, and this is a great time, actually, Reese. Apologies, mate. 
Complementing yeah, yeah. the Wave Rebellion Pro 2 is the Wave Rebellion Flash 2, combining Mizuno's performance foam with smooth speed assist technology and a nylon plate. Sitting in that do-it-all category, the Flash suits up-tempo jogging, tempo sessions, and faster long runs. So, yeah, the Flash was there for them to try on. Um, they had, uh, yeah, they had a, a good pack to run with. Everyone wrote their session on a whiteboard, and then you could jump in with different people. You were the you were the leader. I think you won. I think you won the session. Tell us about it. So the session was kind of what you was talking about last week. So we did eight kilometers, two two kilometer float, six kilometers, one point five kilometer float, four kilometers, one kilometer float, two kilometers, and I kind of asked you before the thing. I was like, what what. When you say float, because I don't do, we don't. I guess I don't do a whole lot of floaty type um, stuff. And you're saying yeah. about 30, 30 seconds slower than the on pace. So I think we probably averaged our floats a smidge slower than that. Um, but yeah, we went out. Um, Dave Ridley was on a bit of a mission on a Sunday morning, and I was kind of hoping to go out and run it. Say, I was happy to go down to three oh sevens to three tens for the first eight k. And he was adamant, now nah, let's start at 3.14, like 3.12s maybe, and then just, and then, yeah, see what happens. So, so, so he wanted uh, to run a bit slower than you. He wanted, wanted to actually run a bit slower than me was the conversations at the beginning. And he told but, me, if you, just, if you just hold back with me, Reese, at the start of the session, we'll get it moving later on. Okay. And then he yep. took off at the gun. Just for, just for um, perspective here, like – are you both aiming for the same time in Osaka? Is that why you're doing all your training together? We've never actually had the conversation on, like I think I've never had the conversation with him. I don't actually know what his goal time would be. Mm, okay, but so I don't, I don't actually like asking. Yeah, yeah, I don't like asking other marathoners what goal time they're aiming for if they haven't openly come out and told me. Because you why? know, some people like to just keep it close to their chest. So you you don't you feel like it's awkward to ask someone what they because I feel is. like the people that are holding it to their chest maybe they feel like they f- feel pressure if they let people know what their goal is. Yeah, all right. But you're training with this bloke a couple of times a week, right? Yeah. So that would normally just be a topic of conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the two blokes going to the same marathon, running around the same time. Uh, how that is that I sense there's some sort of like there's some sort of tension around that I reckon because there's, otherwise that would be open out on a platter discussion discussion points. No, unlike Brady and you, mate, we have no tension. We're there to work hard for one another, but uh, I we genuinely have not had the conversation. And maybe he has told me. Maybe I just wasn't listening. Um, but we haven't had that conversation or that discussion about what pace at Osaka. Right. All right. Um, we haven't even on. had the conversation about will we be running together at the start of Osaka. Do I think we will be? Probably at this rate. Yeah. Well, okay. You can make a call on that. You can make a call on him if you like. So, um, <laughs> Talk about pressure. Uh, anyway, pressure on yeah, put the, put the pressure right on him. Um, I'm, I'm still messaging him now trying to patch him in, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to take the bait. Nah, um, it's all good. So, so we did the 8K. We averaged 309 pace for the 8-kilometer, 
we uh, ran the first 2K at about 3.12 because we are trying to bait Brady to come into our pack. Mm. And Brady wouldn't take the bait. I think we went that's out actually, in the three. I think yeah, we went three. I think we went three fourteen into a three twelve because we're trying to see if Brady would want to come along. And then as soon as we heard you kind of <laughs> saying to him, it was I don't know if I got this right, but I heard you say something like, "Well, if you want to effort run with it, just go." Oh yeah, yeah. That was um, I was saying that to someone who was pushing the or like one of them said. Oh, this pace is a little slow to me. And I was like, fuck, this was Mara. Mara goes, oh, okay. oh, I think we're a little slow. I look down and we're running three seventeens. I'm like, this is fucking perfect. Like, yeah. you can go up the road if you want. Don't be in here yeah, telling so- me my pace is slow for my session. Like, I'm running my pace. Yeah. So when we, we overheard you say that and then no one took the bait. So then that's when we kind of said, let's just uh slowly progressed this interval so we ended up aiming to average 310 309 so then that's what we end up doing uh 309s for that 8k mm. and then that How first 2k yeah that was that was fine like I'm, it kind of felt like i did when i've run 213 in the past in the first 15 kilometers like it didn't feel like super easy like it didn't feel if it felt that comfortably uncomfortable like you knew i knew i could hold it for a long period of time but at the same time you're like damn this isn't like as smooth flowing and as easy as i would have hoped for but i didn't feel like i was physically straining too hard and i was um practicing my gels during the hard parts of the reps i think you tend to i tend to get a bit lazy sometimes in practicing the floats or the recovery so um i was practicing in the in the reps but no like it it, it was, wasn't like I wasn't pushing real hard, but it wasn't super comfortable. Um, we did the 2K float in, I think, about 334 pace, which was our fastest float of the lot. Um, and then we went into a 6K. And the idea going into this 6K, we were kind of in the last 500 metres of each float, we are kind of talking with each other, being like, how are you feeling? And I, we're kind of like, we'll go for 307s in the 6K. And then... Ridley just went to the front on the first 2K of this 6K and went like 304, 305. And we have a rule with Al on the bike in the Mango Boys. If you start an interval at a certain pace, you've caught that pace for the rest of the interval. You yeah. you don't you don't go out in a 6K interval and run the first one or 2K and then think, oh, I've begged a bit of time, I'm going to ease off now. It's like if you want that pace and that's what you're doing, then you're, you've got it. So we end up running. I, I like that. That teaches yeah. discipline. That teaches yeah. consequence. And teach, yeah, exactly right. So we averaged three hundred fives for that six k um, because of that, and that six k was potentially the hardest of the lot because it, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a step up. Um, and then we went into a one and a half k float, and this is where we dropped back to about three forty pace for this float um, before the. Before the um, session started, we were thinking kind of, you know, 310-ish pace and then 340 float. So that's why that came about. Um, and then we went into a four-kilometer effort. And similar again, Ridley kind of went out that we were aiming – because he went 305 in the in the second interval, 
off your advice of progressing, we said, well, let's, it has to be at least 305, maybe 304 on this one. Um, and we went out about 304. And then Josh Macy rolls up next to our pack 1,500 metres into this 4K rep with his camera and his gimbal. And Ridley's uh, at the front of our pack and he makes a comment to Macy about, oh, mate, Metcha, this makes you keen to join the Mango boys when you're fit and healthy. And it's almost like this alpha move by him to be like, I'm feeling that damn good running 304, 303 pace right now that I'm having a conversation with the guy on the bike. Hmm. And we can't have that in the Mango boys. <laughs> so this is where yeah. our session this is where our session changed drastically. Um, That's, that is funny. And get to that. But if, if, if I'm in your position and someone tells me, oh, this would make you feel like you can join our group, do you know what would be in my head? It would be, I'll fucking decide who's in our group or not. Not, not you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm saying, I'm, you know, we actually, we have friendly banter in the Mango Boys. And, uh, but, but, we, but we have consequences. Like yeah. John Wick, we have consequences. So, um, and here he is here. His time, yeah. this is perfect timing. You talking um, shit about me? <laughs> I am talking shit. So we're at the four-kilometer interval. Oh fuck! I might just jump off this right now. To be honest, this is a this is a podcast, so we'll alert the uh, the listeners that um Dave Ridley, the the Mango Boys second in charge, has just rocked up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's about to I think he's about to cop a bit of a blast from the from the big fella. Well, it's a shame he's missed this, so he's gonna have to uh sit back and listen to what's just been said uh to catch up to this because he heard this story. We we spoke about this on the tan this afternoon together. Um I was just saying, Dave, about when uh the four kilometer rep when you started talking to Macy about joining the Mango Boys. And, I was just uh, offering a little invite. I was, I was just being nice at 4K and thought it would be a nice thing to do and offer him a little invite to the Mango Boys and then you uh, you had other thoughts. Yeah, so uh, that had consequences. So we uh, we tapped Al on the back who was on the bike and we said, increase the pace a smidge, mate. We can't be having someone having a conversation right now. <laughs> and we went from running 303, 304 pace and I think we ended up getting that down to three, well, averaging about three flat for the last 2K of that interval. And I think we end up running that 4K at 302 pace in total. I can, um, I can actually see exactly where that pace increase was. Like, can you really? The graph just spikes. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it goes real quick after that. And it, it must be exactly where the um, photo was as you turn around the corner at the lake there. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that happened and then we did the 1K float and then the last 2K was um, someone got thunderstruck going. I'll let him touch base on that shortly because we'll hear the session from his his mouth as well. Um, but, yeah, the, the last 2K, I kind of said to Al, we didn't want anything stupid going into this. And then he kind of just, if I'm right on the back of his wheel when he's on the bike, he kind of just slowly winds it up. And we've spent now about two months together with Al on the bike pacing me and stuff. And he's just got to really know my breathing, how I'm looking in my shadow and knows if I got more to give. And um, I think the Garmin might've been a bit generous with uh, what it's given me here at the end of this session, but I'm going to say it was two fifty fives for the last two K. 
Turn to you. What about uh, you, Dave? Were you running 255 at the end? Hell no. What did, what did your Garmin actually give you, Reese? Wasn't it 253s? 252s? Yep. 253s. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at here. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on bit, a bit second. Me. I'm going to come back, Dave. I've just went on to your Strava. So it seems, did Reese drop you on that 4K after he started talking to Josh? Yeah, he put the surge on. He got a get. He got a little gap of probably, I reckon, four or five meters, and then I just got back onto him almost before the rep ended. Um, but yeah, he definitely dropped me for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not um. And that was. Do you know what? The cam. Josh had the camera right. Perfect time for Reese to start put in a surge and uh, look real good on the camera. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I literally just said it, and then about 10 seconds later, Reese just rolls around the outside of me, oh, barges yeah. onto the wheel right behind Al, and she's like, let's go. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then the pace was just like, just escalated so quickly. Ben got, ben got sped out the back. I got sped out the back, and then I had to work pretty hard to get back onto Reese. Uh, uh, it was good fun. Yeah. All right. So you've run a similar workout. We probably should just... Um, Maybe even introduce you now that you're here, Dave Ridley. You've yeah. got a different accent to us. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from New Zealand. I've uh, been here in Australia for probably, I reckon, eight, maybe nine years. So I think my Kiwi accent has uh, softened a little bit, and I might be getting a little bit of an Aussie twang uh, potentially. But um, yeah, it's, that's me. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. So you're a marathon. You've run two seventeen, am I right? Yeah, that's it. So I ran two seventeen twenty a couple of years ago, and that um that uh, they called it Olympic trials race in Sydney. Oh, that's right. Um, in Sydney. I think, yeah, Parramatta. yeah, Parramatta, and um, ran two seventeen twenty there. So um, yeah, that's that's my PB for the marathon, and hopefully we can do some damage on that in Osaka in a few weeks' time. So you and Reese do like share that um, similarity in that both your marathons were done on um, Mickey Mouse courses. No, so you, no, no, no. And I think back about something you said last week and you said about my PB being on downhill course. My PB is on Rotterdam Marathon, mate. Ah, uh, okay. There was a period there that you were the, um, the Mickey Mouse guy. For six months, you weren't there. I don't know about this. I don't. You even told me that you ran a you ran a quick marathon on a downhill course. It wasn't downhill. Oh, it was yeah. legal. Cam Levin legitimately qualified for the Olympic Games from this course. Yeah, he's gone. He's he's gone all the way to what was it, Austria, to find the biggest downhill course that he possibly could <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, no, I've run Rotterdam, and I know that it's that's that's not downhill. So, um, I suppose you, I suppose your two thirteen actually stacks up. What yeah, was your exactly. time at Rotterdam? Oh, uh, it was bad. It was two twenty five last year. I blew up big time. Yeah. All right, okay. So two twenty five. That's your real PB. If that's what we, <laughs> that's what we're going. For. Yeah, um, um, Rotterdam marathon only. Yeah, it's my one marathon. That's my PB. No, you've gone under 220 a couple of times. Melbourne as well, am I right? Yeah, Melbourne uh, twice in Melbourne, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So, solo solo 219 this year in Melbourne. What are your thoughts on that, Moose? Mm. 
Yeah, solid. Solo is always hard. That is a, like some people are better at time trials than others. Some people can do well with their own rhythm. We were discussing this before, Dave, that um, Reese said that you like to be on the front because you feel more comfortable than behind someone or in a yeah, group. Yeah, have you, have you tried running behind Reese? He's got super long yeah. legs and he just whacks the back of you. So and nobody wants forward to do it. Lean. He's forward lean. He's yeah. like the road runner. Yeah, it's outrageous. So get in front of him. He, he passes you when he wants to, so it's fine. Yeah, okay. So this is the next question. How far in front of him are you going to run at Osaka? Um, I think that that's going to be dependent on uh, how quick Reese wants to go. And we don't know. We don't know what his, his goal is yet. So uh, oh, he's he can say anything. He's pretty, he's pretty set on 212. So Moose was calling me out before because I, he said, what time do you want to run for the marathon? And I said, well, you and I haven't had the conversation about what time we're – what time you're planning on running or anything like that. And he was calling bullshit. And we genuinely haven't, have we? I said that's no, we weird. That's just no, really we weird. Chat. We can do it now, though, if you want. Like, yeah, oh, let's can do it now. Let's ask some okay. laundry. Yeah. That's, uh, Reese said reckon... you're in about 218 shape. That <laughs> 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 bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Reese. Well, okay, we'll make well, his we're, session. We're, we're, the the session on the it. weekend, you, you went, you set the pace for all of that session on the weekend. Can you quickly, so I've just told the paces we ran at, so 309 for the eights, 305s for the sixes, 302s for four. How did you feel throughout all that? Yeah, it felt pretty good. Apart from so the what? last, probably the last, I think it probably, it, <laughs> as soon as you surged in that four, then I was like, ah. Oh, there I could feel it then. And then in the last 2K was pretty quick. And I'm, my Strava was outrageous for that last, what, the last 1K of that 2K, it was ridiculous. I'm sure I didn't go that fast. But my Strava said that I ran 250, which was mm. silly. Um, mm. So it must be a bit of a bug. But I reckon I was probably running close to threes for that, for that last rep. Mm. So 309 pace. Well, I got oh, tagged in a post this. today, actually, by um, David Ridley. I uh, let me just pull it up because I don't get tagged in posts very often. So this is a bit of Here a highlight go. for me. Um, Good, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I made you weak. Maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah. Yes, here definitely we go. yeah, mate. So, when when a mango boy tags you, oh. we're, we're talking. We're <laughs> we're in a good conversation here about marathon pace. This this jumped out at me, Dave. Was heaps of fun doing a marathon simulation. This is your caption, yeah. by the way. I'm just reading it out to you. Yeah. You might you see cool. this one. Just in case I forgot overnight. Yeah, yeah. No, for the listeners, it's a podcast. Remember, it's okay. a podcast. Probably okay. my best ever marathon workout. We yeah. wanted the pace to feel comfortable, but to also simulate race pace. All right, here we go. This is where the, this is where the good stuff comes in. 8K 309s. <laughs> what pace is that? What marathon pace is that? 311? No, 210, 4K. That's 2.8 pace. 2K? Oh, I'm going to say that's like 2.7.5 pace. You are on for one here at Osaka based off this. Yeah, so you are what, raring to go. Based like on, based on. Right now. <laughs> yes. Um, put a check a little comment in there if you want as well, man. All right. Um, I'm going I'm to comment now. I'm going to comment now. Revisit this over beers. 
Yeah. Um, is this the prediction? What, is this the prediction coming out? The Actually, afternoon what is, Let's do predictions for each of us because it'd be fun. I reckon Reese can <laughs> run Reese can run two two ten to eleven in a socket. Yeah. On the on the on the that's depending the, on how, you go. Yeah. But do you think he has depending to go on, out at what pace do you think he has to go out at though to run two ten? Like it, it reaches a regressive style marathon, and we've chatted about this before. Like that's how he does it best. So, in order for him to, to run two ten, he's he's comfortable. Got he's got to go out at two nine thirty pace. Yeah, yeah. Do you hear this, Reese? You got to make how do you feel about it? like you got to make a decision to do that on the start line. That's just not something that like you fall into. I would not be surprised yeah. if I happen to roll. Let's say I rolled, and I was like feeling super good and rolled 66.30 through halfway. I would not be surprised at that point in time if I looked up the road and could not see Reese at all. Mm, yeah. That if he's so, just gone. Okay. You guys are doing workouts together. I didn't realize that you were um, like running off a bit, Reese, compared to Dave. So for me, <laughs> I, I, my next question was going to be about how is the, the effort perception between the both of you on these longer workouts? Like, Dave, like, you're a 217 guy training to be faster, obviously. Reese is 213 guy trying to be training to be 210 guy. How do you guys end up in workouts together if, if, you, if your sort of goals are quite different in terms of race day? Who wants to answer um, that? I think from my point of view is our the gaps between us only show in maybe the last two to five percent of a session and it's when the paces drop a long way below marathon goal pace. So um I I think Dave's a master of like he he can probably run that three oh eight, three oh nine pace probably as comfortably as me. I genuinely believe that. And you say he's a 217 guy and I don't want to put pressure on him or anything like that, but like, and I've, he, he, he's not, he's going to run a lot faster than that. If it's a soccer, it's a soccer. If it's not, if it's Gold Coast, like it will come. And he, tra he trains like at a, at a totally different level, at a totally different level. And I think it's just a matter of time until that really comes out on race day. Like it will happen. So when we're running 309, 308 pace, you look at him and you see him popping along. You're like, he looks like he's genuinely doing that as comfortable as me. It's not until a rep drops. Probably nine months ago, if a rep dropped into 301, 303 flat pace, he might start to fall. Now it's probably 258s. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it's, not, it's the higher end stuff that, that gets yeah. you, Dave. 100%. As soon as Reese starts going fast in 258 it's pretty much like that's me at my max like that's me at my limit so i just don't quite have that top end to kind of go with that um and that's where the gap will form um but yeah the reality is like uh you know reese is just a he's run faster and he's a stronger athlete and so you just got to respect that as well i think the thing that i've learned with reese is um, and even in the group, right? You just got to kind of keep your ego in check a little bit. And like, if somebody wants to go and if Reese wants to go, my trick is I've just got to stay composed and not like try to um, stress myself out by trying to go with it. Cause then you just blow up your workout and um, it can be a bit of a disaster. I've had a couple of those. So like, 
for me, yeah, just keep compose, let Reese do his thing, and it's all it's all good. I'm just there to try to get a quality work um, workout in. So the um, like for me, I look at that and go physically, you have done this workout, like the paces you have done physically, um, you've you've already like it's on the paper what you've done and you've done some really good workouts the the question that you always have is we were exact thing we were talking about before it's on paper you don't really understand how you're feeling at the time um so like we don't understand how you're feeling we don't understand how reese is feeling um so for me like you've you're obviously in some amazing shape and you're not one to run conservatively like We've seen that before. You've gone out pretty hard yeah. in the past. Um, you're like you haven't set a time yet. That's what I'm asking you. Well, he kind of slipped sixty six thirty. That's the first time he's ever done anything. He slipped sixty six. Yeah. Well, it was a hypothetical, but was it? Um, my goal for a couple of years is to run two thirteen. Um, I probably haven't felt like I've been kind of in that shape before like honestly but like that's been the back of my mind goal was like my big goal is to run 213 um that's plan a um hopefully you know i think on at osaka if all things go well and i'm feeling good i'll probably go for it like there's no there's no reason i shouldn't and i think the attitude is just to do it and see what happens and hopefully i can run strong the other thing i kind of know is i feel like i'm fit enough that if something's going bad then i can kind of in the moment reconsider and recover not not recover but just sort of like put it um run to a plan b and still have a good race so that's sort of the um the thing i think yeah obviously breaking 215 would be a a great day and that's still um big goal for me as well to do that but yeah 213 would be pretty sweet the psychology of recognizing that it's a little hard and this is the point to back off or, Hey, it's a marathon. I'm trying to run really fast. It's supposed to be hard. Like, how do you differentiate those? And it's a good question. I was chatting to Zach tonight about this. And I feel like what I want to do at Osaka is just try to make really good decisions in the moment. Like it's one of those things you almost can't plan for beforehand. You've got to get into the race, see how you're feeling. And then just be honest with yourself. And the, the last thing I want to do is, get to 25k and just be absolutely gassed and then it falls off the cliff and I run 225 like I'd rather you know have the conversation with myself at maybe 16 17k and go oh you know what this 309s 310s is not feeling quite as comfortable as I need it to I'm just going to back off and maybe a few 315s right now it's just going to be the thing that I need to do so I think it's just trying to have the confidence to make those types of decisions while I'm running and not just go, okay, I'm just going to go as hard as I can for as long as I can and then blow up, I think. <laughs> um, is it possible to do that, to, to go into a race knowing that your extreme goal is going to, like, it's going to take almost like an all-in effort and yep. to have something sitting on your shoulder saying, oh, no, I talked about this. If it gets hard, I've got to back it off a little. Is it, um, can that work? Is that a possibility? To, to, to commit to something, knowing that there's a plan B just sitting there waiting for you to just slip into and feel, yeah. feel good doing? Yeah, I think it's absolutely about not wanting to do the plan B, right? So just go for plan A and try to make that feel as good as possible. Um, 
I think I think the plan B is more of there as, as a psychological blanket, knowing that if if I'm feeling shit, then okay, cool. I've I've got an option to just um, back it off a little bit, but it's I hopefully you know plan A all the way, and I'll just go for it. And um, yeah, it's easy to sit here now saying all the stuff, but I think in the moment I'm just going to see red and give it a good crack. Yeah, good. I mean, that'll oh, be yeah. fun to watch. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like U turns where I'll be able to get a good view of what's going up ahead. Mm-hmm. What are, what are you going to do, man? You've run you've run fast. Yeah. You're gonna you gonna come with it? No, no, not at all. I'm not in the shape that you guys are in. I know that. That was actually Sunday was a great um a great uh, learn. It, what was that? What's the right word for it? Um, it was like a a learning experience for me. It was like a lesson in what paces felt comfortable to me. And I, it, it was training. I was a bit cooked from the day before, so maybe the paces weren't perfect, but I got a good reminder of what marathon effort is and what is a little too hard. So we went in to this workout. Brady, he loves running with, with people. Like I, I, I just wanted to run my, my own efforts. Um, he was pretty con- like intent on just staying with me basically because uh, my splits, like what I said I wanted to do, he, he lined up with what he wanted to do. And Mara jumped in as well, so Michael Marantelli. And so we did the same workout, 8642. Uh, I said 315 to 320 was what I wanted, especially for the first eight because I've done a lot of training outside of marathon effort in this. And a lot of, like I've, I've kind of, I know that it's not realistic marathon pace slash effort. And so that's like, it's, it's almost cheating yourself a bit to run a marathon workout too hard. Like in my mind it is, cause I know that it's not, I can get it done, but it's not really achieving what I want it to. So my goal here was like, don't fuck this first 8K up. Cause we have a rule like you guys, if I'm doing a progression and I start out at a certain pace, it, I'm not, I'm not just calling it and we'll go back. It's like it has to progress. Like this yeah. is the consequence for going out too hard. Like you, you do, do the crime, do the time. That's sort of how we'll yeah. look, at, look at that. Um, so <laughs> 317s, it felt okay. It felt okay. That was the first one. I had Mara and Brady. They're sort of like pretty surgy type guys. And so I was off the back for a few meters at some of them. And then all of a sudden I'd run up their ass. Um, again, another good reminder to just do your own thing on the day, not to rely on someone else to, um, to be, to be pacing you or to set your pace. And you didn't, you didn't have a, um, a, a lovely bicycle in front of you either. Did you? No, no, I did see you guys up there. I got a bit jealous of that. How yeah. is Albert pacing? Does he get it right? Yeah, he's right. good. I don't yeah, he's very good. I don't know how many years he did pacing Craig Mottram, but he's, he mm. knows. He knows how to pace. It's a bloody difficult job to sit on a bike and ride, ride the same pace, like really hard to do. He's got little motivational lines as well, and he just sort of like pops in, pops them out here and there. And, oh, and yeah? he, gets, he, he can just tell he gets a little bit excited and the deeper you get into the workout. He starts giving you K splits and he gives you little reminders. He tells you to relax. It's just all these little cues. I love it. Love so good. Maybe you should do some coaching. I guess you know, he's, credit for you too, Willie. He's, 
He's kind of uh, he's kind of been the man behind my sessions. I'd say in this build. Well, yeah. actually, that, I'll take that back. It's 50-50. Ridley, Dave's 50% and Al's the other 50% probably. Yeah, all right. Um, Go back yeah, to your the, session. Yeah, mate. yeah. So we um, we float for, for 2K. This was – the brakes were on here, so 336, but pretty much just had to sort of remind ourselves not to go too fast. Um, the next rep, 6K, I didn't – like I was pretty comfortable not progressing this too much because I wanted this workout to be comfortable. Like I didn't like you guys hammered yours. You did you progressed it and and ran pretty fast. Whereas I was not feeling like that good at the start. So I thought six k. I said I still said three fifteen three twenty. Like I don't want to go any outside that range. Um, so we ran three seventeen for the next one. Everyone's still together at this point. So it's pretty pretty good little pack. Uh, by that stage, like, you know, you're 14K in, all you've got is 6K left. feels like you're pretty much through the workout. Like mentally, mm. easy, I reckon. Mm. Um, yeah, like I, I was quite happy with that. Um, so after that, I felt like it was really easy. Um, next thing, 4K. Uh, I just, this is the one that got going a little bit. So we sort of give ourselves a bit of a license. Before this started, I said 315, absolute limit. Like, don't want to go quicker than that. Um, and then we didn't. And then 333 float, by that stage, it's like, oh, we're home. Let's, um, let's yeah, let's keep going. And then the last one. Um, and then 2K at the end, 311. So we did press on a bit towards the end. That's nice. Uh, so you're thinking three fifteen marathon pace off that? Uh, three fifteen. <laughs> nah, I'm thinking like three seventeen's probably around right for me. Three seventeen, yeah. just under three twenty. Yeah. Yep. And progress, That's... progress it from there on race day. Always progress. Always give yourself some room to move. That's my uh, theory. Like my parents always said, mate, money in the bank, money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. We're, you and I are big depositors, Bruce. <laughs> We're big depositors. We don't withdraw often, mate. Yeah. It has worked for you so far. It's worked for you. Oh, yeah. can speak uh, my question about that is Brady, was he itching at the bit, mate, the whole time just to get going or he's composed being around you? You're... You're his figure. He, you're, is he like your love child or what's going on there? Yeah, well, he he was – I think he likes to practice being controlled, but he um, – he, he, that's his thing now. He's like he's proud of how he controls himself. And he did pretty well oh. out there. Like there was a few okay. times where I expected him to just start powering forward. And, and him and Mara like both had periods where they sort of pressed a little, but they were good. That was really nice. Are you, nice co- to are you coaching him? Brady? No. Yeah. Oh, during the workout? Well, just generally. Oh. You, you no, coach? no, no, I'm not. No, he does his own thing. Um, ah. But like, you're like his mentor, workout. are you? No, not really. No. Probably unofficially. Probably. I, <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of the workouts that I've, um, I've done in the past, he goes and does now. Just rehashing <laughs> a few of them. <laughs> Yeah. What did you average all up for the for the workout? That's still pretty juicy. Must be. Oh yeah, three... so we were three twenty, three twenty for mm. um, twenty four k, twenty four and a half. 
It's not the longest run. Three weeks out, I'd normally go longer than this. Like do a Yeah, I was freaking out about that. Were you? Not quite enough yeah, volume. Exactly. I actually um and that's why I was happy when Dave took off early and wanted to go faster. I was like, yeah, because I if we had have gone three tens and I felt comfortable throughout, I had a little we had a little surprise at the end but because the paces were quicker we didn't do the surprise maybe you should you should say more about the surprise that we had at the end because yeah, there was what? a few messages there's a few messages going back and forth between reese and i on the uh on the saturday i think it was between yeah. what we were going to add to the add to the end yeah go on, so go on. say if we had to run say three tens for the entire session and then i felt good there was going to be an 8k straight at the end um that was going to be run it was, it was up to 8Ks. It was going to go three flats for as long as you can, up to eight. Three flats for – really? So you're just going to run the tank out? I was just going to run the tank out. <laughs> Whoa. So when he initially said, oh, should we, do, should we do something at the end, I was like, oh, okay, so instead of doing the 2K at the end, should we just do like a, another 6K or something like that? He's like, no, 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 we'll do the 2K and then we'll do the 8K. And then do another, yeah, and then do another eight k. It's like damn. So I, I yeah, had this right. is before the. I don't. Oh, I, yeah, that's a hard. That's a hard finish. Geez, you'd be feeling a little different today, I reckon, if you had to got to that point. So this is where Dave and Al have helped me out, right? Because I'm a little bit of a loose cannon, and I'm down yeah, for yeah. all this sort of stuff. No, like we were saying no, earlier, when we're talking about Canova special block, like I'm down for that. Um, so I need don't people do, around don't me. Don't you do a Canova special block every weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I, I need people around me that are like, look, we'll let you be a bit crazy, but just pull back that real dumb stuff. Yeah, that you're doing. yeah. The hip stress, the hip stressy stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, just go up to the point of stress fracture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, what? When do you head over to Osaka? Uh, we're flying Windsor the 21st morning, I think is a, yeah, morning oh, yeah. flight. So are you doing we, the, um, get star cans across? No, we're doing Qantas to Tokyo and then, oh, yeah. then we jump on a jet star flight from Tokyo to Osaka that night. Hopefully we, hopefully we make our connecting flight. There's only two and a half hours between, um, which hopefully is enough. But there's a chance yeah. we might miss it, so we might have to spend a night in Tokyo. But we'll see. Yeah, all right, cool. So, yeah, yeah. That's, I'll be there yeah. Thursday all the way through and then, yeah, race Sunday and then we got a couple of weeks after that just to cruise around, which will be fun. A couple of weeks? Mm. Wow, that's fun. Yeah, That'll be real so fun. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? That's what happens when you don't have kids, mate. <laughs> oh, we, we actually did like 10 days last year with – Pia and it was horrible. Like, oh, was it? Oh, How old so was she? Bad. She would have been um, she would have been like a year and a bit, mm. maybe a year and five months, but nearly so yeah, nearly eighteen months. But she was like hated the food, hated um, the small bedrooms, tiny bedrooms, like real quiet sort of respectful culture, and you go like no one takes their kids out for dinner there. It's it's real like it's just not the right place for her at that point. Like we had tr- mm. we had trouble. 
she was in the end she was sick she had fucking teeth coming through it was like a nightmare and i I remember thinking like we are wasting our holiday here like in the end we're buying food from the like 7-eleven and you're eating it in your hotel room and you're going to bed at seven o'clock when she goes to bed and it's just like this is dumb yeah we could do this at home and she would be happier (laughs) (laughs) don't like that after that five-year rule in, until she's five, we're staying. In really? Australia. Yeah. Wow. She but, is anyway. But everyone said to me, hit six months, and then you've got that eighteen-month period before that you have to pay for them from two years, and it's sweet. It you pay? Yeah, you don't pay for them in the flight. You pay for them when they're over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you pay for it in experience. <laughs> and just enjoyment. <laughs> oh, there was no enjoyment at all. No enjoyment. <laughs> And Japan's such uh, a cool place, but it's a cool place yeah. for you, Dave, with your partner, like, or your wife. Yeah. Like, it's not a cool yeah. place with your 18-month-old. Yeah. It's going to be good, man. Just the shopping, it's going to be awesome. The culture's yeah. amazing. People are amazing. Food's amazing. Yeah. So what are we, what are we going to do for the after party? Is there a little karaoke oh. spot we're going to have afterwards? Oh, yes. That sounds good. Not sure where we're at mm-hmm. with that. Um, oh, Mango Boys open mic night. <laughs> there are a lot of places that we could end up, but um, karaoke is one we, that I hope we don't end up. <laughs> what? No way, nah, man. It's going to be us. Nah, nah, nah. I'll watch. I'll watch. Singing's not my jam. Boys, I've got to go to bed. We've been here for two think, hours. Dave, yeah, this was meant to be the sh- shortest one. Yeah. I got to go to bed, but before I do that, oh Dave, I know you're a Nike man, so don't listen to this. All right, don't listen to this. Okay. Um, one sec. The Inside Running Podcast Road to Osaka series is powered by Mizuno, committed to making marathoners faster for now and the future. All right, earmuffs off, Dave. Um, okay. <laughs> that was good. Watch you over there. The trees. Yeah, yeah, Reese. We know you. You're in the pros, the pro two, rebellion pro. I'm in the pro twos. Yeah, I'm very happy the way they've been going. I haven't had a bad session for a long time, so um, I'm very happy with what I've got. Confident. You're going to go the same color, the whites with the black sole. No, I think I've got a bit of a surprise packet coming uh, when I arrive in Osaka, which is going to be a new colorway, fresh kicks, and uh, some fresh kits. So. Make yeah, sure you take your others though, because last time I'm a size like twelve oh, yeah. and a half, and and my yeah. gift when I got there was a size nine and a half. Um, so lucky okay. I lucky I wasn't that's, banking on running in them. That's that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know. I have a few pairs to uh, take. Did you over. know that um the singlets uh and clothing sizes differently over there as well, man? So like, I'm a I'm a small man over here, and then <laughs> over there I'm like a. I'm like a large, so yeah. you're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do singlets your size. Nah, nah. You bring your own clothes, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what; those tights. Just very quickly before we go, those tights—they were. Oh, oh no! Like two two point four percent. That's what that last rep was. Two point four percent. The difference between Dave and you at the end it was those tights. Yeah. You know, Dave has no idea what we're talking about. He has no, no. idea there's 2.4% performance enhancing well, parts going around. You know the, I didn't like you know the study that Nike used to get your shoe data, your 4% data. Well, in Japan, they do it on shorts and it come out at 2.4%. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> and that's no bullshit, is it, Reese? Oh. Mate, as ge- generally, I turned up and that our, the difference between our workout was exactly 2.4% on the weekend. <laughs> oh, I don't believe right, this lad. for one second. All right, have a good sleep. Get out of here. Thanks for jumping in, right. Dave. Appreciate it. And all the no best. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Cheers, Sam. Cheers, lads. The Inside Running Podcast Road to Osaka series is powered by Mizuno, committed to making marathoners faster for now and the future.